Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Well, today we enter into Holy Week. It's one of those stretches of time that Frederick Buechner would call a hungering dark. This is the day we'll remember that Jesus enters Jerusalem on donkeys to the acclaim of at least a small crowd, but unfortunately all of us know where he's headed from there. Over the past weeks, Lent has led us into the wilderness and perhaps we're tired of wandering. Perhaps that seems like that's our whole life. We're done with it. Perhaps in these days, temptations have only multiplied. Perhaps a new grief has found you. Perhaps the quiet, if you've managed any, has only made more space for more of the vexing questions. All the things that batter our heart. Perhaps we've encountered fresh grace in these days, but you're wondering what's next. Maybe you've arrived at some kind of clarity, some clarity about the state of your soul. Perhaps you've heard God's voice of love, but you want to know how to nurture those gifts, how to not let them just slip away. Perhaps like those uh, new yellow daffodils that Miska has put in our front yard, Perhaps you just need the slightest little invitation to break free, to bask in that bright joy. Easter, kind of like the sun to those daffodils, hints that something new is happening. But we know the story well enough to know that there's a darkness between here and there. So Easter's coming, but Jesus' cross comes first. Betrayal, scourging, mockery, denial of a friend, absence of almost every friend he's ever known, a moment where there's the seeming absence of God, a pierced side. The Jewish historian Josephus called the Roman crucifixion the most wretched of deaths. And our brother Jesus, the Son of God, handed himself over to this cruel agony. This death was no surprise for Jesus. Mark tells us that Jesus taught his disciples how the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and three days rise again. And it wasn't as if the disciples who were clueless much of the time entirely missed what was happening here because Peter pulls Jesus aside and the scripture says rebukes him for these words because everybody knew this is not the way God was supposed to rescue Israel. But all this likely raises a question for at least some of us. Why did Jesus have to go to a cross? Why exactly did Jesus have to die? The scriptures tell us that Jesus' death enacted our forgiveness, that Jesus' death offers us 
life. But why this way? Why such gruesomeness? A couple weeks ago, after breakfast, we were at, that happens to be a time where spiritual conversations seem to happen in our house the most often. And one of my sons asked me, so dad, exactly why did Jesus have to die? And I'll be honest, I was stumped for a minute. Now, as a pastor, I know that's, that's really a, a failure. <laughs> and I know in my head the things I'm supposed to say. I mean, I went to Sunday school. But in that moment when my son was asking me, those answers didn't quite seem good enough for me. Why did Jesus die? Of course, in one hand, we could just say Jesus didn't have to die. God, I suppose, could have used any means he deemed he wanted to use to rescue the world. But this awful death, for some reason, was the way God chose. And Jesus was not in any way a helpless victim. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, No one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. There was Pilate, that weak leader, who three times insisted on Jesus' innocence. There was Herod, who also apparently believed Jesus to be innocent of the charges, but was in, thought that Jesus was a very interesting pawn and plaything. There were the religious leaders, so bent on holding to their power, all these weak and greedy forces conspired to Jesus' murder, and Jesus surrendered himself to that. Why? Why the cross? Why death? At its very simplest, Jesus died because the religious powers and the political powers intended to kill him. Jesus surrendered to the cross because it was either be killed or raise a sword and do the killing. Wherever else we go from the scriptures, we can't abstract the cro cross from its actual historical moment. Jesus announced a new king and a new kingdom, which means a new loyalty to a new way of living in the world. And the first century powers understood, as the powers of every century understand, that whenever a new kingdom comes up, it means that their power is threatened. If the powers cannot silence you or overwhelm you or ruin you or seduce you, eventually they will kill you. I don't know that anything has changed all that much. The powers of our world run on retaliation and revenge. Throughout his ministry, Jesus warned Israel over and again to lay down their anger and their fear and to allow God's grace to transform them to be the kind of people who could extend kindness and mercy even to the Gentiles, even to their enemies. And if they didn't, Jesus warned, a great calamity was coming. There was no way, Jesus told them, that this was ever going to end well. 
Violence and fear only yields more violence and more fear. Until violence and fear and violence and fear and violence and fear and then all that we have left is rubble. In Luke 19, when Jesus was coming toward Jerusalem, we have that moment. It's the only second time we're told for sure in the Gospels that Jesus wept. He saw Jerusalem and he wept. And he said, only if you had known what would bring peace. And the day is coming and it seems like he was, he was prophesying about the destruction that was going to come to Jerusalem. He saw how the powers of this world were aligning themselves. And if Israel continued in that vein, there was going to be great destruction coming. And then there's that moment in the gospel reading that we read this morning. I wonder if you were perplexed by it as I was when Jesus is heading toward the, toward the cross and he stops because there are women who are weeping there. And Jesus says, uh, really right now you shouldn't weep for me, you should weep for yourself. Because a great destruction is coming. And the destruction will be such that it turns the order of the things upside down. And there's that weird little uh, blessedness he speaks. See, blessed in that moment will be those whose wombs are empty. That was the exact opposite of the way they understood their life. That they were blessed if they had life in their womb. But he said, the day will become, will come, well, actually, you'll be glad you don't even have babies. It's going to be so awful. And then there's that strange little word. What will they do? What will they do then when the wood is dry? If they're going to do this now when the wood is green. So dry wood, obviously, is the kind that burns well. Green wood is the kind you have to work really, really hard to get it to burn. Jesus apparently was saying that he's the green wood. He is not retaliating. But the time's going to come when sparks are going to fly. And when that happens, Rome will come with an iron fist. And the destruction is going to be horrific. It's awful, isn't it? This week I was in Whole Foods. And uh, <laughs> I was in the car, and I was doing all kinds of things I wasn't supposed to be doing. I, I was talking to Miska on the phone, and I was backing out, and I was trying to watch, but apparently I was getting, you know, I was figuring out what I was, where I was supposed to go next. I was supposed to pick some things up, and I was backing up, and I was trying to be careful, but all of a sudden, this <laughs> on the back of the car. And all of a sudden, out of my peripheral vision, I saw this guy. So apparently some... A guy had been walking behind the car, and I hadn't seen him. He hits the car, and then he makes some kind of face, and it wasn't a kind face. It was an angry face. And immediately, my hand went up, you know? And I was angry. I was like, okay, I get you. You know, I get it, you know? And then I see his wife or girlfriend also walking behind him, so I, I'd almost flattened two of them. And... And I was sitting there, and yet my immediate reaction was actually like, like that dry wood. It's like a spark. I was completely in the wrong. <laughs> there was, I had no defense, no excuse, and let, yet my immediate reaction was defense. It was even some kind of retaliation. I wonder if we've actually learned anything at all. 
How much of our political climate and our personal anxieties feed on exactly this same kind of energy? How much of our estrangement from others and our rhetoric of violence comes because we do not know, as Jesus said, what brings peace? Can you perhaps see Jesus' tears for us as he watches our self-destruction the same way that he, he cried over Jerusalem? And Jesus surrendered to death, allowing the powers of this world to do their worst. And in that worst action, revealing their evil and their foolishness and disarming them in that act. Because in the end, when the story was finished, the worst they could do was entirely undone by the life that Jesus brought. The life that overwhelms violence and death. But we needed Jesus to do this. Only Jesus could enact in his very body the love powerful enough to show us that all that we fight to control, all those things that we grab for ourselves, all the ways that we refuse to forgive, it's futile. And the words from Jesus' cross is for us to give up. All the ways that we hold on to those wrongs done to us, like Gollum held to the ring. All the ways that we seek to fight for our place, it won't lead to peace, but only to destruction. There's another reason that Jesus died. We said a few weeks ago that Jesus was baptized in part because he was human and had a body. Well, Jesus also died because he was human and had a body. Jesus died because we all die. Jesus embraced all of our experience, the very worst of it, so that Jesus could set us free from the very worst of it. One of our deepest fears is death, the looming curse that we will be annihilated or forgotten. And Jesus came to overcome death itself, to release us from that very thing that threatens to extinguish us. Jesus intends to heal us, and healing requires taking on the sin and the ruin, taking on the death. And when, G when the the sinner at the cross asked Jesus, will you remember me in your kingdom? Jesus said, in this very day, you will be with me in paradise. And whenever a Jewish uh, hearer would hear this word paradise, their mind would go to Eden, to the garden, to this world that was the world as God intended for it to be, the world that God had said he was going to heal the world to be yet again. There was even an idea that the cross was actually the place where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had been. That probably wasn't literally true, but in so many ways it was absolutely true. There's this icon picture that we have this morning, and here's the fuller version of it. Oh my goodness, we can't see the whole picture. Can you, is it possible to drag it up? I don't know if you can. It's another pastor fell, my apologies. Can you pull it? Is it possible? No? Well, it's lost. 
here's what you would have seen. You would have seen the traditional icons of the cross have at the bottom of Jesus' feet, they have a skull there. And that skull, can you see it? Oh, kind of. And that skull that you see there is, represents Adam. Is it the, the one who died is going to be resurrected? But there's another icon. This actually comes from Armenia. And this is a busque. I don't know if you can see this next one. You see there, the eyes are open. The, the, oh, yeah. the head underneath Jesus' feet is, oh. is, a, is a live head. This is reminding us that what Jesus comes to do is when Jesus is done, when the cross has done its final work, there are no skulls anymore. What we have is life to the full. And you'll notice in this one that Jesus' own body is, is, is almost at one with the cross. It's, it's wrapped around the cross and the beam. It's almost as if his, his arms are becoming part of the wood. In this moment, Jesus became for us everything that we need to overwhelm and overcome death. Jesus died because Jesus needed to rise from the dead. We often think that God raised Jesus from the dead because Jesus had to die. But what if Jesus died because he knew that God needed to raise him from the dead? In many ways, we have a cross because God knew we needed a resurrection. Now, all of us are going to die. That's the fate before us. What God offers us is the living. But we're not there yet, are we? No, not, not yet. Only Jesus could take on our full humanity and enter all our evil. Only Jesus could take on our fear and our violence and the thousand ways that we are diseased and ruined, groaning for healing. Only Jesus could take on all of that. Only Jesus could carry all of it with him into the claws of death and then throw it off like a flimsy blanket and rise from the dead. That's what's coming, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. That's resurrection. This week is Holy Week, and we walk with Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.